Please say this after me. This is God's word. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. I encourage you to always bring your Bible with to church. The title of the message this morning is A Life of Kingdom Boldness. A Life of Kingdom Boldness. We're going to be looking at quite a long passage of Scripture today, but I like spending time reading the Word of God, even in services. I believe that that's important. Many times, very little of the Word of God is read in services, and we need to do that. A life of kingdom boldness. And as I have been focusing on the kingdom aspects recently, and as I was preparing for this message, I really immersed myself in the first few chapters of Acts. I literally immersed myself in them, reading them, reflecting on them, trying to get a bit of an understanding of how it actually rolled out, imagining what it was like to be there in this exciting time of church history when the church had just been born. Because surely just when it was born, there's things that we need to pick up and not lose sight of and do those first things. And the result of Having a look at this so closely is that I have been thoroughly amazed at essentially two things. The first is the extent of the power of God at work. And the second thing is the remarkable boldness that was evident in the Christian community, in the people at that point in time. And I say this meaning this. It is really astounding. <laughs> it's astounding. And I believe if you take some time to study through the book of Acts, that you can actually be moved. You can actually have an encounter with God just by getting into His Word. Let's not forget the importance of the Word. You can turn so long to Acts chapter 4 and just keep your finger there for a moment. I'd like to explain the context of the passage that we're going to read and what had happened just before this, just before Peter had healed a lame man. It's a well-known story in Scripture. And Peter and John had gone up to the temple, and at Gate Beautiful, there was this lame man who has, had been there year in and year out. And he was begging for alms, and then Peter and John healed him. They took him by the hand and said, rise up and walk. And this is an amazing miracle. He had been paralyzed, lame, for more than 40 years. He was known by everybody in the community as that guy at the gate. But amazingly and instantaneously, he was healed. And we know that the scripture that says that he went in walking and leaping and praising God. And so out of this dramatic miracle, people suddenly begin to gather in Solomon's porch, right close by there. Obviously, it caused a stir. The word quickly spread. People began to gather. And what did Peter do? He stood up, and he boldly began to preach. And he even told those people to repent. He told those religious leaders, you repent because you've crucified Jesus. And he gave it to them hard. And uh, by the, the people who received it gladly, it was wonderful. But the religious leaders didn't receive it gladly. They were threatened. And you know what they did? They took Peter and the apostles into custody. 
They, it was late in the day, they kept them overnight, and then the next morning, they actually put them on trial before the religious leaders. And that's where we pick up our story in Acts 4, verse 5 to 31. Let's read together. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them, that's the apostles, in their midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? That's what they wanted to know. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by whom... uh, By what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, would you say that with me? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. It was very clear. He was saying, it's Jesus that has healed this guy. Don't you guys understand? Verse 11, this is the stone which, the, uh, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And I love this next verse. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved. He's giving it to them hard and he's giving it to them good. Now, when they saw the boldness. Would you say the word boldness? boldness. Say it a little louder. Boldness. When they saw the boldness, this defining characteristic, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. You might be here today and you didn't get much of an education. I want to tell you, even so, if you surrender your life to God and really pursue His purposes, God can do amazing things, even through uneducated and untrained people. And it goes on to say, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they threatened them some more. (laughs) They let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. 
For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions. So here, the apostles are released, and now they go back to all the rest of the Jesus followers and reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Take note, they are still in one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now jump to verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, there we have the word again, they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now look at this, the last verse, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. This was a physical shaking of the place. Imagine being in that exciting prayer meeting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with, what's that word? Boldness, boldness, boldness. Do you see it coming out through this chapter? It's remarkable to see how the people operated under the power of God. Now, just to give a little bit of context for afterwards, what happened afterwards? The good news is that Peter once again preached boldly. He wasn't about to be stopped. And again, the apostles were threatened. Again. This time they were even beaten. Can you imagine being beaten for just declaring the good news of Jesus Christ? That must be really tough. They were actually beaten and then later released. But you know what? They did not stop preaching. They didn't stop. Nothing was going to stop them. And it says in Acts 5.42, I'll just read it to you. It says, and daily in the temple... And in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Wow. What a powerful portion of scripture. Seeing the vibrancy, the life, the power of God at work in the early church. I want to tell you, I'm not a cessationist that believes that those things stopped in the book of Acts. I believe that they are available today. And I believe that God wants to reveal his power just as he did in the book of Acts, if not more so. Because Jesus said, greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. And God wants to use you. Yes, he wants to use you. Stop looking to other people to be used by God and you say, well, I'm just going to get their podcasts and follow them. No, God wants to use you. God wants every member, every minister to be empowered by God. Every member to be a minister empowered by God. Now, four things that I'd like to share with you based on our passage today. Number one, a faith-filled response to threats. A faith-filled response to threats. It says in verse 29a, now, Lord, look on their threats. So once again, the religious leaders had threatened Peter and the apostles. They told them to stop preaching. And they told them to stop using the name of Jesus. Now, what if you were told to stop preaching, to stop using the name of Jesus. I'm not talking like preaching like on a platform. I'm talking sharing the good news of Jesus at your place of work. How would you respond if they brought in a new corporate policy 
where they said, in this company, there's lots of employees. We've got 480 employees in this company. From now on, it is against the law to talk about Jesus or to try to win anybody for Christ. What would you do? I believe you wouldn't allow that to silence you. I believe that by the boldness of the Holy Spirit that you would speak out nonetheless. You'd be wise in how you do it and where you do it. But I believe that some of those laws may eventually even come into many more of the nations of the world. And we need to know that we're not going to be silenced no matter what. I believe that in schools, children should not be allowed to be silenced about speaking about their faith. I believe in universities, we should not be allowed to be silenced. But we should do what the New Testament church said and said, now, Lord, look on their threats. We're not going to give in to this. God, we're calling on you. Help us in this situation. And in spite of the threats that these apostles faced, they were determined to continue the work of the kingdom. Nothing was going to stop them. And what's interesting is, in fact, they even asked God to continue demonstrating his power. Now, this is the very thing that got them into trouble. <laughs> and, and they're saying, God, would you keep on doing this? It's gotten us into a hang of a lot of trouble, but keep on demonstrating your power. Do you see how they pursue the power of God? And I believe that we need to be pursuing the power of God to see those kind of results. I think of a story of Reinhard Bonker, wonderful man of God. I salute him as a general of the faith. He recently celebrated his uh, 76th birthday, and he's still going strong, preaching the good news of Jesus. He's been to many places all over the world with crusades, and he went into one particular area, and there seemed to be a lot of locals that wanted them to come and were excited, but there was also a tremendous amount of hostility. Some of the locals went as far as to say, do not come here. If you have your crusade... We will bring our armed militia and we will kill you with our automatic rifles. We will kill you if you go ahead with this crusade. What was Reinhard Bonker to do? Well, firstly, in a situation like that, you make sure that you've heard from God. <laughs> okay, God, let me just check. Did you really say I must do this crusade? Okay. And Reinhard Bonker knew that he had heard from God and he said, the crusade will go ahead, you know, in his German accent. We will preach, you know. So the crusade went ahead, and you know what? They were protected. Nobody was harmed. Nobody of their team was harmed. And tens of thousands of people came to salvation in Jesus Christ. You know what I call that? A faith-filled response to a threat. I think of another example of my father. My father was a typical conservative Baptist minister. But then he began to open his life and the church to the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this church, which wasn't growing, nothing much was happening, suddenly began to experience the life and the power of God, began to grow as a result of it. And what happened is in the union of churches that he was part of, many began to be threatened by what was going on. Doesn't sound very different to the story we just read. Many began to be threatened by what was going on, and, and uh, some started to accuse my dad and write letters about him and mock him and all of this. And one of the guys even said, No, the baptism figures that you have submitted, we, 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 uh, we suspect that they are faulty baptism figures. 
Because on one occasion, there was about 350 people that were baptized on one occasion. And they said, this can't be true. You must be crooking the figures to make it look good. And what's more, it's not about counting the sheep past dead. It's about weighing the sheep, you know. My dad said, you know what? I don't care what you guys are saying. God's power has been poured out in our midst. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to be intimidated by your situation. God is revealing something. And we are going for God. And God began to use my dad so wonderfully, but he refused to be intimidated. The devil will always try to intimidate God's people, but don't be intimidated. Be liberated by the power of God, not by your own willpower, by the power of God. Be liberated. And if you are faced with a threat, what do you do? You call on God. You call on God. That's what the early believers did. And it says in Acts 4, 24, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God. And basically with one accord, they began to cry out to God. And they said, God, come and intervene in this situation. And sometimes with something that you face, it can be so big that it's beyond you that all you can do is go to God and say, God, I need your help here. I call on you. My company's in a desperate situation. It feels like we're about to close the doors. I don't know what to do. You get before God and you call on God. Number two, supernatural boldness from on high. I want to say under this point that God is ready to empower you and reinforce you with his boldness. Because some people say, yes, I don't have boldness. But God is ready to empower you with boldness. And it says in the scriptures that appear on the screen, Acts 4.13, Now when they saw what the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. What's interesting for me is even the Sanhedrin, that's the hardcore religious council, even the Sanhedrin, saw the source of their boldness as J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. They could see that they had been with Jesus. You know, it's such a wonderful thing when people do see the love of the Lord Jesus in your life. And they can see that you have a real and a meaningful relationship with the Lord Jesus. Acts 4.29, it says, Now look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And sometimes we simply have to pray and ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. My question to you today is, when last did you ask God for boldness? Think about that. I'm not getting much of a response on this side. I'll go to this side. When last did you ask God for boldness? Maybe not often enough. The early church was asking for boldness. And it says in verse 31, the last part, it's on the screen, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. In other words, their prayer was answered. Just before, they were praying for boldness. Then they spoke the word with boldness. God answers those prayers. I do just want to say something about boldness. That boldness is not about being forward or being reckless, so to speak. Boldness is not about arrogance. Got nothing to do with that. But boldness is, listen to this, the courage 
to press through your fears and do the will of God. You might want to write that down. Boldness is the courage to press through your fears and do the will of God. And that's what we see evident here. I remember being called before a committee once. And this committee said to me, and here I was, myself and my wife, and five of the people in the committee, all much older than us, and it was quite an intimidating situation. And they said, John, you've been talking of leaving. We want you, we want you to know that if you leave here, we want a three-year commitment in writing that you will not start a work anywhere else in this city. We expect that of you. I sat there and thinking, golly, what do I say now? But you know, it was as if the boldness of God arose within me. And I said these following words, I am not prepared to make that commitment. I felt that the Holy Spirit actually gave me that boldness in that situation. And right there, in that meeting, let me tell you, the meeting went, it turned rather south. But I believe that God has confirmed his words with signs following that it indeed was God's plan to step out and do that. Now you might say, well, John, listen, I'm a shy person, John. You don't understand this boldness thing is not for me because shyness is just me. That's just part of my personality. And I'd like to say to you that I respectfully disagree with you. If you want him to hide behind shyness. Because I believe that God wants to empower every believer with boldness. Especially those that are shy. (laughs) Come on, put your hands together. Especially those that are shy. God wants to empower every one of us with boldness. Listen to the statement that I heard recently and I thought it was a very good statement. Shyness is not a gift. (laughs) Shyness is not a gift. And I think it's very true, and, and I believe that it's actually more of a hindrance. It's more of a handbrake in a person's situation. Let me tell you a little story of my father. He was converted at the age of 18 years, and he really wanted to serve God and go into ministry. But he was tremendously shy at that point in time. He didn't know how he could ever fulfill this call that he was beginning to sense because he was so shy. And one of his greatest fears was to pray in public. I wonder if there's anybody here who you feel like praying in public is, yes, Lord, here I am, send him. (laughs) You know, don't, don't use me, Lord. Anyhow... Here he is, 18 years of age, in a small little church prayer meeting, maybe 10 or 12 people in the meeting, and he plucks up the courage at one point in the prayer meeting, and he begins to pray. And it's going okay, and about two-thirds of the way through his prayer, he freezes up. Awkward. He can't complete his prayer. Well, his mother was also in the prayer meeting, and graciously, she just carried on his prayer. Thank the Lord for a mom that would do something like that. And so at least the embarrassment was a little bit less than expected. Now, my dad could have just submitted to shyness and said, well, I'll never be able to talk about the things of God. But he didn't. 
He allowed God's spirit to work a work of boldness in him. And as a result, he ultimately preached the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide around the world. But it's because of what God was doing in him. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit within him. You might say, well, how can I increase my boldness? Number one, pray for the Holy Spirit to make you bold. And number two, look for opportunities to talk about Jesus. In other words, start in small ways. In Acts 4.20, it says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And I want to encourage you, child of God, speak up. I really want to encourage you to speak up. There came a movement over a bunch of years that said, no, 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 you don't need to speak up and so on. Just let your life be a testimony and so on. And while I agree with that, and while your life should be a testimony, just a living epistle that people can read, I also want to say to you, there's a time when you have to speak up. Why don't you say to the person next to you, speak up. (laughs) Speak up. You might say, but I don't have the boldness to preach. Well, you don't have to preach. Just tell about what the things of the Lord in your life. Tell a little bit of your testimony and how God has worked in your life. I also want to say this, that boldness is not just about preaching, but boldness is about taking a step forward. Now, I believe there's many of you here that you have something in your heart that you want to do. There's a step forward that you know you'd love to take. You even believe that God has dropped that seed, that dream in your heart, but you're holding back. You're holding back. And I want to encourage you, part of boldness and the empowering empowering of the Holy Spirit can help you move forward. It might be as simple as being willing to pray in your life group. It might be that God's boldness helps you just be willing to just raise one hand in worship as we worship here together. I know of some men who are very shy to pray just in front of their wife. And I want to say for you, boldness could be taking a step forward like that. For somebody else, boldness could be this decision that I want to write this book. God has been talking to me about it for a while. And I'm going to put this daily devotional together. And I'm going to take a step out of the boat. For somebody else here, a step of boldness might be, okay, God, you've gifted me in terms of technology and there's an app. There's an app that I want to launch and put out there on App Store that people can download it because I believe it's going to make a difference in people's lives. And we actually have one of our members. Her name is Ruda. Ruda Duplessis. And she began to get a burden for South Africa and all the negative words and criticism that have been spoken about this country. And God put in her heart a desire to develop an app. It's called Speak Life S.A. It's available on the App Store. You can download it. And uh, the purpose of this app is to speak words of life over our country. What a wonderful thing. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. And here is Ruda. She's launched this app. And um, she says we've got a lot of people that have downloaded it. Just on Android, 700 people have downloaded it. We don't know about, uh, she couldn't give me feedback in time for this morning, but maybe a whole lot more uh, on other platforms. And here she has done it. What has happened? She has stepped out in boldness. And as a result, God is using her. I want to encourage you. Supernatural boldness from on high. Number three, renew your passion to believe God for miracles. Won't you say that with me? Renew your passion to believe God for miracles. Acts 4 verse 30, 
says, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I want to say this. I believe that many people have settled for less than God's power. Settled for less than God's miraculous, mighty, working power. And to some extent, some people have even made, and I say this carefully, a silent pact with unbelief. And I believe that God wants to challenge that mindset. And he wants to say to you, won't you become like little children once again with childlike faith for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. But you might say, John, but I prayed for somebody's healing and they ended up passing away. My faith has been shaken. I'm going to stop praying. I'm not going to pray anymore. And I want to encourage you, whatever you do, don't succumb to those voices of the enemy. Don't stop praying, whatever you do. Say that with me. Don't stop praying, whatever you do. Don't stop praying. You keep on praying in faith. And you leave the results up to God. One of the leaders in our church who leads the real men's ministry, his name is Peter. His wife became very ill and for some time was struggling with a terminal disease. And Peter in particular really began to stand with his wife in faith, praying and trusting for her healing. We all together were praying and trusting for her healing. But she wasn't healed in this life. In September last year, she went to be with the Lord. It was sad. And Peter was discouraged. And I could see his heart was really, really sad and in grief for his wife. But you know what? He continued in faith right until the end, but yet he didn't see the result. And, and how do you understand that? How do you explain that? But while I was attending the funeral service and I was sitting there, I felt the Lord said to me, he said these words, Peter believed God and it is accounted to him as righteousness. Wow. I went out and I said afterwards to Peter, I said, Peter, you need to be encouraged, mate. You believed God and it has been credited to you, accounted to you as righteousness. And that's what the scripture says. Romans 4 verse 3. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I want to tell you, it is righteous to believe God even when things aren't being fulfilled as you expect them to be fulfilled. It is righteous to believe God. Won't you say amen? It is righteous. There's a scripture in Jeremiah 15 verse 19 which speaks into this. And in the Amplified Bible it is put so well. It challenges the whole thing of unbelief. And it basically says, don't let unbelief come into your heart. Let me read it to you. It says, thus says the Lord, if you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety, and you will be my minister. And if you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart of unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness, 
You shall be my mouthpiece. Isn't that amazing? So God says, guard your heart against unbelief. Why does he say, guard your heart against unbelief? I believe because when we allow unbelief into our hearts, you know what? We're actually allowing wickedness to come in. We need to guard our hearts against unbelief. And let's also avoid relationships around us that are cynical and critical and break down our faith. Rather, surround yourself with faith-filled people. Let me tell you, the early church was a faith-filled community. And I believe because they were faith-filled, they were characterized by healings, the miraculous signs and wonders. And I submit to you today that I believe God wants to restore His power to His church today for these end times. Can I get an amen on that one? He wants to restore His power. At the end of the service, we're going to have a time of praying for the sick. To act on the word of God about stretching forth his hand to heal with signs and wonders. But before we do that, I have one last point, a brief one to share with you. Filled with the Spirit over and over again. Please say that with me. Filled with the Spirit over and over again. In Acts 4.31 it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, one thing that sort of puzzled me is that here in Acts 4, verse 31, they were being filled with the Spirit. But a little bit earlier, two chapters before, in Acts 2, verse 4, they were also being filled with the Spirit. So why the need to be filled again? (laughs) Because surely if you've got it, you've got it. And I believe that God says, well, initially when you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have it. But you need to be refueled over and over again. And this is why this church continued to operate in the power of God. Because it wasn't a once-off baptism on the day of Pentecost. But here a little bit later, yet again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, sir, ma'am, you must be filled with the Spirit of God. It also says in uh, Ephesians 5 verse 18, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I read an interesting quote recently. I was at a restaurant, and there was this little quote. It said this, One of the nice things in life is that every now and again we need to stop whatever it is we are doing and devote our attention to eating. I guess that makes them sell some more food. But I thought that's quite a cute quote, you know. But you know what? Kingdom life is much the same. Every now and again, we need to stop whatever it is we're doing and devote our attention to being refueled by the Holy Spirit. Because let me tell you this. Everything has an energy source. Even our spiritual power has an energy source. His name is the precious Holy Spirit. And you have to go before the Lord and just say, Lord, I lift my hands to you. Would you fill me afresh with your spirit? And you know what? I believe the Holy Spirit loves to fill you with his spirit. Even more than you desire to be filled, he loves to fill you. Allow him to fill you with his spirit. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah.
Now, please stay right where you are. Leaders, would you please come to the front, please? Shepherds, life group leaders, I have not dismissed the service yet, so please don't rush out because we want to give people an opportunity to come for prayer. Quickly, can I have shepherds, life group leaders, assistant leaders, and wives spread yourselves across the front? And I'd like to invite people to come up for prayer for the sick, okay? Or you might also want to come up and stand proxy for somebody who is sick and needs to be healed. Now that the leaders are up at the front, can I invite anybody that would like to come and receive prayer, would you come now and stand along the front facing the stage? Come right now. Come right now. If you have a need in your body for healing, come right now. That's it. There's many people. Don't stay in your seat. If you really want to be prayed for, come now, come now. People don't mind you moving past them. Because the moment we dismiss the service, it's going to be difficult to get to the front. Leaders, let's not start praying just yet. We'll pray in a moment's time after I've closed the service in prayer. And then we'll begin to pray. So come and spread yourselves out along the front. And we're going to pray for God to heal people and to restore people. Folks, may I invite you as a congregation, let's stand and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that it's been a a rich time around your word. Thank you that you've stirred our hearts regarding your power, regarding boldness, regarding stepping out and trusting you. And we pray, Lord, for anybody that is in need of healing, and we ask right now that your healing power would touch bodies far and wide. People listening to this broadcast right now, we extend our hand and we pray and we ask you, Lord, that you would heal people of sickness, of disease, ailments, viruses, infections, all kinds of manner of illnesses. And we release the healing power of the Lord Jesus to touch you where you are. And now, Lord, I say I bless your people and I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.